Hi, everybody. My name is Christopher Michael Castro, and I love pro wrestling. Do you like to sit around for a while? Found yourself a little pet crocodile. Do you like to just live in the moment? Do you like the stars and moon in the comments? What do you like? Do you like? 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 Welcome to What Do You Like, the podcast where we get to know a person through their passions and hobbies. I am your host, Jeremy Zaha, with another wonderful episode here. Uh, we have a very special guest this week. Um, this is someone who I've known now for at least three years. At least three years. Uh, he's 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 uh, doing uh, num- finger numbers to me to verify that. Um, but this is someone who I got to know through my uh, association with Pro Wrestling Tees. Um, he, uh, when I first started... There was two people there that I recognized, and it was really awkward for me. I was like, I know I've seen them from somewhere. Uh, later on, I found out that this gentleman uh, performed for me uh, about a year before I met him. Um, and it just clicked in my brain where I recognized him from. Um, and where he performed for me is relevant to what we're talking about today. We are talking to the wonderful Christopher Michael Castro. Welcome to the podcast, Christopher. It's good to be here. And that was an amazing intro. Thank you, Jeremy. It it is a pleasure to have this conversation. Um, And one thing I really like about these podcasts is uh, I, a lot of times they're they're with people that I know um, every once in a while. It's someone I don't know super well. Uh, but most of our people I've talked to before, I've I've hung out socially. Um, but we talk about things that you don't you don't generally talk about when you're just hanging out. Usually, you're talking about politics or the Cleveland Browns, like important things. Um, <laughs> uh, but th- this this is a conversation I think I always enjoy doing, and especially with people that I know. Um, and the topic we're talking about is something that. I can definitely relate to, but my experience is going to be very different. Um, But we're talking today about professional wrestling. Professional wrestling. Yes, we are. Yes. Um, So kind of start the conversation. Where did professional wrestling enter your life? See, that is a story. I, it's one like the earliest stories of my childhood. Um, From what I remember, my brother Louis Castro Jr. Uh, Louis Castro the third, to be more specific. Uh, I remember him showing this to me. I can't remember exactly if it was actually happening on cable as a rerun, or we were watching Coliseum video. But it was Hogan versus Sid at WrestleMania. Shoot, what was that? Seven. Uh, that would have been. Seven or eight. Seven or eight. I can't remember. That was uh, the one in um, uh, Indianapolis, though. Yeah. That'd be eight. And then, uh, Papa, of course, Papa Shango missing the cue to come down. And we're having that very awkward, oh, Sid kicking out of the leg drop at two. And that little mini stare down. And then Hogan starting getting, uh, getting his ass beat, getting jumped by, I think, him. I think Hercules Hernandez, I believe. And... Uh, the thing that stood out on my mind was the ultimate warrior making that massive sprint down the lane to save Hulk Hogan and just, he was a cleaning house and not getting in touch like a freaking superhero, a man in tassels and face paint, massive tan oil dude, like a real life superhero, just kicking ass. And then there's also massive, tall, blonde haired man kicking ass and them Bonding at the end, just the brotherhood and uh, companionship to see how superheroes can team up and just rule the world. Just that fascination, just all that. Shoot, I can't even find the words because how 
and just I'm just just can remind of my childhood, like just that, just watching, witnessing that that moment go down, being so young and impressionable, and with that moment, it's what I decided to be. Like that's that's what I want to grow up. That's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be a professional wrestler. That was my first memory of wrestling, and the first memory of wrestling makes me made me decide what I want to be when I grew up. So that's how professional wrestling came into my life. I think that that's like a, a story that a lot of people experience. Now, were you big into superheroes before this, or was like this your first experience into like this the superhuman aspect? That was my first experience with the superhuman aspect. Just that I like I don't I don't even think I knew who like Superman or Batman or like the Hulk or or Spider Man was at the time because I was so young. How old do you think you were? You had to have been super young when you saw this. I think it was the first time I laid eyes in this. I believe I was four. Yeah. Okay. So you might not know the answer to this, but did you, did you feel like the, because it was like a live action person, it was like attainable or was, was it like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll never be like the ultimate warrior, but that's the area I want to be in. Um, honestly, I was so young, like that wasn't even a thought in my head. It was just one of those, like, that's it. That's me. Yeah. That, that's where I want to see myself. Like when I, I want to see myself now, you know, there's no way possible. That was my, my, my choice in life. That was my, my way in life right there. So when you are. So you're four, you're hooked. This is like this is what I'm gonna do. This is all I care about. Um, other than your family, I'm sure. Oh, of course. Speaking of your family, did the rest of your family maintain the uh, being fans of wrestling, or were you kind of like the the only one that kind of kept it up? See, the only other person in my immediate family that was a wrestling fan was my brother. My mom didn't get it. My dad didn't care for it. Uh, so it was my brother who got me hooked and we would watch wrestling whenever we could, whenever it was on, whenever I remember it would be on until I was old enough to actually understand and comprehend schedules. So I would know it would be on Mondays and Saturdays and whenever it would possibly be on. So I kind of like taught myself just either time cues, like as in like my dad getting home or my mom get home from work, or my brother coming home from like whatever sporting event and just asking whenever Unfortunately, it had to be it had to be my brother because he was the only wrestling fan in the family. Just hey, when's when's WWF coming on? Or hey, like learning about WCW. Hey, when's WCW coming on and such like that. So the transition was it was slow because you know I was still young, I was still learning life. But I think when I was like maybe five or six, like I had it down like that. Like oh, WCW is on Mondays starting at seven, and then WWF comes on at eight, and then there's like uh shoot saturday saturday night i know wcw had a show saturday night and i think wf superstar was on saturday morning as well so it was just getting to that that constant schedule every week just getting it down and i would freak out when something was wasn't on like I, you remember when on monday monday night raw when uh it was originally on usa they would have that dog show the westminster dog show dude once once a year every year I fucking hated dogs for that week. <laughs> yeah. And th- that was back in the time where like you couldn't watch a replay. Like nope. there was no DVR. There was nothing. You, if you missed it, you're just like, well, I, I missed it. I like, they'll show like clips the next week, but oh, yeah. you, know what, well. you know, what was our DVR VHS and VHS tapes. Yep, but as a kid, you don't have a control over a lot of those. Like, if you don't have one, you don't have one. Yeah. Or you have to tape over the same tape you use every time, and after a few tape overs, uh, the quality of that goes way down. Oh yeah, you're getting those static, those static image shots, and kind of have to like tap the VCR a couple times for it to get back to focus and normal. Man, those were the days. <laughs> Uh, it's it's crazy how far we've gotten. And now we're now we're having this conversation through a computer, full video and audio, mm-hmm. real time. Uh, I can I can pull up on my phone the exact same match I can I'm currently talking about. 
Yeah, that and that is insane. Can you imagine telling little six-year-old Christopher that in the future you'll have complete control of all this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hey, you know this match you just watched that changed your life? Well, when you're in your 20s and 30s, you're going to be able to watch it anytime, every day, whenever you want to, as long as you're paying you know, the proper price for the service. Or have someone who has a password. Um, (laughs) but so now as you're, as you're growing up, this is in the, the, the kind of the, the hottest period in pro wrestling was, uh, at the schoolyard. Was everyone talking about wrestling? Was this like a social aspect for you as well? So I went to a private school. I went to a Catholic school. I literally across the street from where I lived at the time called incarnation Catholic church and, and school. And really, I didn't know that, like, maybe a handful of boys at the time liked it. And no one would talk about it. But I think maybe by, like, the first and second grade is when more and more would come out the woodwork. And, like, someone would mention, like, oh, yeah, I was just watching this, watching, like, Monday Night Raw yesterday. That's all I did. And, you know, my ears would pop up. And, like, wait, you're, you're a wrestling fan? And then... All the guys would just get together, like, "Oh yeah, did did you see this? Oh no, uh, did you tape it? Cool, can you bring it to tape in tomorrow so I can watch it? Yeah, all this stuff. Oh, this action figure. Oh, the game on Sega Genesis. Oh, you know that's on Super Nintendo. You know, the the typical schoolyard talk for any five, six, seven year old back in the early mid nineties, early just even the nineties in general. So some influences from that." And it was, it was cool. I made, I made more friends like that too. Yeah. I, I remember growing up, like uh, I very much was, like you said, like I was uh, always listening for the person that was talking about wrestling because uh, even if they are like brand new to it, they at least have seen it and they're not going to say the whole like, Oh, that stuff's fake, whatever. Mm-hmm. You get uh, your, they, those, you get ha- full, like a handful of little asshole kids who were like, yeah, it's the fake, you know, my dad says it's fake. Well, yeah, your dad's drunk. At that time period though, there was, there was more people watching it than the, uh, than the people, than the naysayers. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I don't know. I don't know. If, another time that's ever going to happen. I think that's definitely like a very unique time in wrestling. And that had to have impacted you in how much you, you continue to stay passionate about it. Dude, I remember getting to the point where well, everyone's their hobbies and the ways of life change. I remember at one point, like shoot, probably like fifth, sixth grade. I was the only one in my school. Well, not in my school, in my class watching wrestling. And back then there was only one class and it was only about, roughly either between like 29 to 31 kids. So who, who am I going to talk to this? Who am I going to talk about this? No one. I didn't have anybody unless I found someone in the lower, lower grade levels, which we never really had crossing communication with because it'd be in their own, their own room every day, same room, all the same classes. It was, it was rough. I felt like the only people I would be able to talk to would be my brother or my cousins at family parties who also liked to watch wrestling. There, there hasn't been like a like a a social issue too. Talking to the, the younger kids, and when you're in fifth and sixth grade, like I don't know your schooling, but when I got in like elementary school, like you didn't hang out with anyone lower in a lower grade. No, it was it was weird taboo. I mean, you you're like, oh yeah, it was that classic just schoolyard. Like, oh yeah, fifth graders rule, uh, fourth graders suck, or eighth graders are like the kings and stuff like that. But the funny part is. I actually, in, in Catholic school, you would have, like, what people would know as, like, Bible buddies, but we would call them prayer partners, where we would, once in a while, like, meet up and do projects together and just communicate. And I remember, um, I think I was, it was, like, around the fifth or sixth grade mark, and when there was a big prayer partner meetup for all, like, the different levels of school. And uh, I found out that this eighth grader at the time watched wrestling. So when whenever we would cross paths and like in the hallway at school, we would try to talk like a quick minute or two about, oh, yeah, you see, see, it's like Sting did this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, did you watch Raw this day? Did you see uh, like the, the head ma- the, the, the headbangers and stuff like that? Masha Thrasher, you know, just simple stuff like that. It, it felt like a two, 
the three minute passing conversation was like an hour long for how much stuff we would cram into our heads with little time we had. And that, like that has to be cool for you also, like as a fifth or sixth grade talking to an older person and it almost has to validate your, yeah. your, your passion for this. Yeah. It's like, Oh, this, this older guy who was like, we, we look, we look up to him, I guess, as in like, Oh my God, that's an eighth grader. But it's like this guy is like my friend in the sense of we have this shared interest in pro wrestling and we're not looking at each other like, oh, he's a lower classman and he's an upper classman. Like we should, you know, be in line, be in check. No, we both like wrestling. We're going to talk about wrestling. and We're going to be cool about it. I think that that is really like a, a bright spot when like someone's truly passionate about something is, and I mentioned at the very beginning of this, the, when I started doing these podcasts, is like a passion is infectious and you just want to share it. And it, it's cool that like, when you were growing up in, in your school, which was obvious, uh, more of a religious school and probably a little more conservative than other avenues. Wrestling obviously probably wasn't a, as a big a deal. But you're able to still connect. You're able to find that that person and kind of uh, zone in on that, and still be able to share your passion. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can still even like those people now who are not who are were fans then, but now are now. If you still even bring that up, they can still hold like a 20, 30 minute conversation with you about old school wrestling. Anyone who was who grew up in that time, I believe. Yeah, this is what I believe. Anyone who grew up in like the time era of the attitude era, at least, or even towards the end of the golden age of wrestling with Hogan and Macho and all that, you can still hold up like an hours of conversation, just talking about anything nostalgic like that. Even if they're not current fans today. Absolutely. I had a, I have a friend who texts me whatever stone cold does. (laughs) He doesn't follow wrestling at all, but if he sees something that stone cold does, he's like, I love stone cold. And he'll always share. He'll, he'll keep me up to date, even though, I already know most yeah. likely. I always humor him, like, "Wow, that's so cool." Um, but it is nice to have that connection. Oh, yeah. So when so you're in a uh, a Catholic school, mm-hmm. how 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 uh, was that? Just through eighth grade? Did that go into high school? Man, that went from kindergarten to eighth grade. And by the time my parents asked me, "What do I want to do after eighth grade?" I told them, "I do not want to go to a Catholic high school." So that's where they thought my brother went to Maris. And I, I, I assumed that they wanted me to go to Marist as well because Marist treated him well, but I was done with Catholic school. Like I didn't want to deal with the, the uniforms. I didn't like, didn't want to deal with like any type of religious classroom. I just wanted to be a normal kid and go to a public school. Also save the money because Catholic high school is expensive as hell. When you go into public high school, yeah. is there like a culture shock? Is it like, Oh, absolutely. Is it like what, what's that transition look like? So knowing, because in eighth grade, above our classroom, like outside our classroom walls and windows for our, our specific classroom, there were little uh, little like hot air balloons. And it would be the high school name of what every student is, was, whatever uh, high school every student was going to. And I think for my grade, my classroom of, I think we graduated with 29 students. It was me and three other kids going to my my alma mater. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Alma mater is that how you pronounce your high school? Alma mater. Alma mater. Our alma mater was Alan B. Shepherd. So I only saw me and the three mics that were in our classroom. So wait, they're only Mike. Yeah, uh, Mike Spasilla, <laughs> Mike Gabriel, Mike Reckia. <laughs> in fact, guess- Mike Reckia. Were there other mics in the classroom? That no, didn't there count? was the three mics. There was all all three mics went to check in oh, with wow. me. All three mics went to Chris. Uh, actually, Mike Reckia was actually in the minors for the Chicago White Sox. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he was really big in the the baseball, and uh, he made it to the White Sox minor team. And I think he retired like a year or two in because he had a family or started already. Yeah, and the, the the minors you make like no money. So unless Correct. you're like a a top prospect, it's basically a like side project. Pretty much. People. Oh yeah, but the culture shock was going from twenty nine of of the majority of the same kids you went to school with from kindergarten to eighth grade. I mean, sure, a handful like 
maybe one or two would leave every year, but sometimes they'd either come back or just get new ones. The For the fact that I spent the majority of my childhood with these kids, and I probably won't see any of them as, at all. Like, I, there, there is a shoot, there is maybe like one or two kids from my graduating class that I never saw to this day. But from going from 29 to a couple of hundred strangers or just kids I know that used to go to CCD in my school, man, like, I was nervous. Believe me, I was nervous. <laughs> so what did, uh, when you transitioned, like, did did you find other people that like wrestling? Was that a way to kind of find a new group? Or did you kind of keep that hidden initially? So the one of the mics uh, that went to, his name was Mike Gabriel. He was actually my best friend at the time. So it was a little easy because our uh, uh, his friend, who actually went to a local public school, at the time, who I became friends with, too, because of him, he was also going to Shepherd, and we were all big wrestling nuts at the time, like big wrestling fans. So we would be, we would uh, be friend with our buddy's friends who was from who were from like the local uh, public schools, and they were wrestling friends. So I'm already making this little like click of wrestling fans, wrestling friends and fans. So that transition was. A little bit more smoother and for the fact that i automatically was like i have to join sports because i did sports when i from like I, I was, i've been doing sports since i was five just soccer or just maybe soccer and basketball mostly but it's like all right i have to join a football team or something like that so with that making new friends finding out about new interests some of these guys interests are in wrestling and just you know it's a it's a snowball effect this culture shock is getting easier by the day because either wrestling and then other things besides wrestling come attached like music and such. So it was, it was easy making rent. I, I was, I was pretty popular for some reason. I don't know why. Cause they were like, these kids were fathom. Like they, they couldn't believe they were flabbergasted to see a guy who's never gone to public school. Who's only been in Catholic school his whole life. They're like, well, what was like, so that also helped as well. So, and then finding out some of those people like wrestling. So every every little bit of difference uh, group, because everyone had the groups. Every little different group had at least one wrestling nerd in it, and that's and then all these wrestling nerds they just meet up and mesh. So after a while, it's, it it got a lot easier. Gotcha. So wrestling kind of formed your your the network at the school. It was like uh, in like Game of Thrones, the uh, the the different like whispers that share secrets from the different kingdoms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, the wrestling group was that it was um i would say that it wasn't the about my friend like my sophomore it wasn't the largest influence it, it went more into the music scene that actually got me the majority of my friends in high school some of the friends that i'm friends with till today uh that helped a lot but of course with wrestling there's also music because we also got more into the attitude era attitude era got music from real bands instead of like jim johnson and stuff like that so harder music stemmed from that friends who like harder music meshed well with the kids who are learning about harder music because of wrestling hello everyone this is your host jeremy jumping in really quick to announce the winner of the twitter uh giveaway of the gorilla publishing prize pack Thank you, everyone, who entered by liking and retweeting and following the What Do You Like uh, podcast Twitter. Um, The winner of the contest is Robbie Gustafson. Congratulations, Robbie. Um, We'll be sliding into your DMs to let you know how you can claim this prize pack. And thank you very much again to Gorilla Publishing for sponsoring this podcast um, all last month and for offering this very generous giveaway to listeners of this podcast. And with that, back to the episode. So that's interesting. So they, it, uh, And I think that that says a lot about high school because at high school... I always say like high school and college are kind of where you're at the age group between like 14 and 22, where you really figure out who you are. Um, 
And I think sometimes it takes that full eight years and even longer sometimes mm-hmm. to really figure out who you are. Um, so I think that the, sometimes that's like the most important part of development of, of, of human beings. Um, so when you are, are kind of finding this group and you're now falling in love with new music, how is wrestling still linked? It's, is there like a drop off? Cause I think that's a lot of times a little common that you're still a fan, but you're not like, it's not the center of your life anymore. Or did you, or were you able to kind of maintain that passion? Oh, I was able to, main, I definitely was able to maintain that passion because when, what I did in high school, this was one of the things I was known for. I was the backer wrestler in high school. <laughs> so with backer wrestling, you would need a cool theme music and just a theme, cool theme song. So with, with all these new, just uh, all these new styles of music clashed together from like, uh, I grew up listening to like hardcore and punk and metalcore music. So I'm listening to all these different songs and all these different bands and stuff like that. It's like, oh, I need something that sounds cool. So I have to deepen, di- uh, dive in deeper into music. But still, the whole purpose behind that is because I'm a backyard wrestler. I want something cool to come out to. So that really leads into you just made a big step there from when you're just watching wrestling. And then, like in high school, it seems like that's when you started actually wrestling, at least. How high schoolers wrestle. I mean, unless you're Rey Mysterio, you're not going through a professional training at 14. Yeah. But what? How did you kind of start backyard wrestling? And follow up to that, how did your your parents feel about you backyard wrestling? Um. I mean, I started high school wrestling, uh, which is I think is uh, I believe it's folk style actually just grappling uh in my freshman year and still like it was something to just fill that void like i know it wasn't you know what we know today as professional wrestling it still wasn't that but i felt like hey i need to do this to get kind of accustomed to what i want to do later on which i believed because i thought like oh if i do amateurs i can you know go to professional but you know kind of learned that the hard way where i was like no this is on its this is this is wrestling this is fucking straight up grappling so along with that and along with music um just going to different schools and actually you know you would communicate with of course uh you would know a handful of people a handful of kids from different districts different schools in the district uh and with music i would go to shows and find people who would also love wrestling there I found one person who's my best friend to this day still. And he goes by the name of Craig Mitchell. Who you know, who maybe your fans of this podcast know, but he's also a wrestler in freelance wrestling. Uh, He went to uh, Richards High School, which is also in the same district as my school was. And he went to the same uh, music shows that I went to, knew the same people I did. And he knew this girl I went to high school with, or I was currently going to high school with, and they were best friends with this girl's uh, current boyfriend named Mike. So I know another another Mike, another Mike. So okay. here here how here how the tree goes. I make friends with Becky. Becky makes friends with me and Mike. Me and Mike talk about pro wrestling to find out Mike is a backup wrestler and I freak out and be like, yo, I want to do backup wrestling. What do I need to do? Mike talks to me. I show up to a random ass force behind Richard's high school. I meet Craig there, be like, oh, you're into wrestling? I've heard, I've seen you at music shows, blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Let's back at wrestle. I meet him at more shows outside of wrestling. Oh, cool. You like this music too? Sweet. We're going to be really cool friends. And then he communicates me with other backer wrestling federations in the area. And then it just, like like I said, it's another snowball. It keeps on going down the mountain and it keeps on getting bigger. So more wrestling is coming into my life, 
or I'm backyard wrestling and behind a high school to someone's house to leaving the state to go back at wrestle back at wrestle at someone else's house house in a different state. That's how my back at wrestling career started. So to to circle back, like what do your one that you're you're back at wrestling, and I think everyone has a an image of what back at wrestling looks like, mostly because I think what's popularized is like very violent. Yeah. Um but you also are now traveling to different states for this. Like, mm-hmm. what are you? What are your parents thinking about this? My parents, all they said is, "Don't do anything stupid and don't get hurt." Which I never did anything extremely stupid, and I never got hurt. No one at that age really got hurt because you're you're young, you're healthy, you're more flexible, and I was, you know, I was an athlete in high school, so I was in good shape. So, and then I learned how to bump. We didn't have a ring, really. We would have a, what was called a base, which is just double stack tires with plywood on top of that, with carpet padding on top of that, with a tarp on top of that. Sometimes we'd actually have gymnastic mats because it was once gifted to us. Other times it would be back to the carpet padding. So, once I told my parents, you know, I learned how to do this stuff, they kind of eased it back. And they were just happy that I'm doing something that isn't getting me into like trouble with the cops, really, because you know we're not trying to do anything illegal. We're just trying to be dumb kids and back or wrestle. Which I want to be clear, we weren't doing like the back or wrestling on TV you saw from the VHS tapes where people are doing deathmatch stuff and light bulbs and thumbtacks. We were legit trying to do like stuff we see on TV or Ring of Honor stuff, you know, just spotty things or just funny things. I mean, there was a time and place when some guys would do deathmatch stuff or hardcore stuff, but we didn't go too crazy. We did, we tried like just playing normal matches, well, normal background matches. So what was it like when you actually like were doing these matches, were performing? Like, did it, did it feel like you're wrestling? Did it, did it feel like you're still like, a step below like what was what was what was 14 15 16 year old christopher thinking in this in that time so 16 year old christopher was thinking hey like it's not a ring but i'm still entertaining people and i'm doing all these moves i've always wanted to do in my life and i'm doing them as safe as i can because the people like craig mitchell was one of the guys who taught me how to bump uh, the guy I named earlier, Mike, uh, Mike Iguano, is his name. He taught me how to bump because he would go to fantasy camps, which was a thing back in the day. So he would, he, he's been taught how to bump. He's been taught, taught how to run the ropes and stuff like that. So we got a guy who's had firsthand experience entering by trained professionals, bring it down to us and train us. And for the fact that we were just pointing shows in front of our friends and colleagues and you know we're gonna pop for each other we're gonna we're doing stuff that we all think it's cool it was an amazing feeling it was my first you know experience of actually entertaining people with with wrestling so and that kind of links back to when you um went like started high school it seemed like you relished in the fact that you were like the the unique one, the, the person that went to Catholic school and like liked being the center of attention in that way. Do you feel like that, that has any relation to like wanting to kind of entertain people with wrestling? Oh yeah. Like I was for sure like a weirdo back then. I mean, uh, not many kids in my school had Mohawks or dressed weird or would do weird shit in the hallways or just, you know, do all the wacky crazy shit. And we just, just looking different. I mean, back in my day, like back in my day, I was, I was a scene kid. I don't know if many people know what a scene kid would look like, but back then it was, you just, you look weird. You, you look, uh, I, I'll just say this. I was a scene kid, but I was still getting called Gothic. We're, we're dressing in black and all that stuff was, if you did that, you're automatically a goth kid. I was, a, I was a scene kid. I wasn't, I wasn't like one of the scene kids today where, Hey, if you're seeing your emo, I wasn't that. I was a scene kid who listened to really heavy music, who had dark hair, dark, dark different hair, 
tight band t-shirt and tight pants. That was that was me back then. I was already weird looking enough, and I thought it was funny because it would freak some people out. And I was a really nice guy. Like I kept to myself a lot. I didn't get in trouble. And for the fact I got this a lot, like they a lot of people thought I was like mean because I had I guess I guess the male equivalent to resting bitch face. Like I just had this mean looking mug on me. But for the fact that it, it popped to me when people would come up like like girls especially because they would be afraid of me. They they actually have the opportunity to talk to me in class about like a subject. I'm like, oh you're a really nice guy. That was entertainment to me. Like, yeah, like I'm not doing anything to like scare anybody. I just this is just who I am. Like if you know, if know me, I'm quirky and it, it puts smiles on people's faces and that and that that helped with my love to entertain people as well. That's interesting. So it's it's almost like you you kind of and accepted that you're not going to he almost like accepted like I'm not going to be the stereotypical leading man or whatever like the stereotypical cool kid but i'm so sure of myself that people are going to come to me eventually i mean i wasn't trying to do it to like crave attention like i had my fair share of haters for the fact that it was mostly preppy guys who hated me because i had a lot of girls who would talk to me for some reason you know uh, i guess it was them thinking that i was trying to crave all this attention and steal their women but not not had all the sense i was socially awkward and very shy and uh i don't know i just just my weird hair and i would fucking i remember in sophomore high school i think it would help when i would occasionally come to school with eyeliner and painted fingernails painted black fingernails <laughs> but that only that was a phase that only lasted in sophomore year i, I junior year I, my my look kind of changed because i got into a different style of music which influenced my look as well Interesting. I think that that I think that's normal too in high school is like what you do one year is going to be very different than the next year because again you're you're figuring yourself out. Yeah, like so, freshman year, or not freshman year. Freshman year I was into like new metal and stuff like that, so I was wearing like slipknot shirts and like black dicky shorts and trip pants. God, this this sounds so like awkward to say, but like sophomore year I was uh, I met my friends who I'm currently friends with today. It's like a timeline, and I I started listening to like metalcore and metal music and then i was doing the scene kid thing where i was dressing in band t-shirts dark blue pants and i was well i just looked weird by the time junior came around junior came around it's when i became more friends with like 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 craig mitchell and i was listening to more hardcore and punk music so i started coming to the school with like uh camouflage shorts uh basketball shoes or skate shoes and like still kind of like tight band t-shirts but they looked more intimidating looking so it, it, it every year it was a little bit of a change so it was awkward it was my awkward like my awkward years of, as, a, as a teenager <laughs> well yeah i mean ev- everyone has those so definitely not something to be embarrassed of but it does bring up a point so like you're you're in high school you finish high school you're doing backyard wrestling yep what does the what does your next step look like? Uh, well, I was still yarding for a while. Like even like I was yarding. Shoot, even in the winter, in the winter seasons, we were still yarding. My goal, our all all our goals, because we we didn't. We, it was me, Craig Mitchell, and our little group of backer rushers. We haven't met like. Who we know to like Matt Nix and Alex Olson and Kenny Sutra. That's a different style of back of wrestling or a different era of back of wrestling. Our era was we need to do as much crazy and awesome shit in our matches where we get noticed because our era of back of wrestling was called the. We were from uh, this, I keep on calling it era, but it was actually a forum. We were part of this forum called The Link where a lot of crazy insane backer wrestling would happen like i still remember some of these videos some of these spots like you don't see this stuff in professional wrestling today or you i've never seen spots like i've seen it in the link in professional wrestling today like if you were the best in backer wrestling you were on this forum and you've been in these video packages in these in these videos and this is back in the day where there was no youtube there youtube was barely coming around and you needed to get your your 
back in wrestling highlight video hosted on a website of your own or something like that or have someone do it for you so our objective was to just do some crazy stuff and get put in videos or get invited to these what i mentioned earlier before get invited to these out-of-state shows because if you're invited to an out-of-state show you were someone to be like noticed by because as funny as it sounds there was out-of-state shows like big like wrestling like get-togethers but it, you can only come if you're invited. And you had to confirm if you're invited. As crazy as that sounds, that was a thing. And I'm pretty sure we were only invited to like a handful. But if we weren't, like, we would just do our own things or meet up with just a handful of, you know, guys we got cool with outside of like the Midwest. Like, we were never invited. I think we only got invited to like three or four big, big shows. But other than that, we were just, you know, meeting up with friends we made along down the line. Like, we went to Iowa a handful of times because we knew, like, one of the main guys there. But as in big, big shows, I think we went to, like, two or three. <laughs> so that was our main goal, to get, get noticed. Interesting. So, like, I mean, th- and this brings in a, a big point in the world is the advent of the Internet. Oh, yeah. Um, like, what was what was that like? Like kind of when you're first networking with the internet, like are you someone who was like really quick to adapt or was it, were you just kind of like figuring it out? Like, cause I'm very much, I understand the internet, but I'm not the, the turn of the scent. Like I'm not on top of all the social trends or the internet. Like what, what was your relationship then? So the internet was like a blessing. Because also with like the friends I in my group of my friends and my group of friends in back at wrestling, like the ones I wrestled with, we were all, you know, tech savvy kids. Like we love technology. So um, we would we would still just especially or this one guy known as DJ Disaster, like he he wasn't for some reason he wasn't big into like mainstream wrestling. Like he loved backyard wrestling and doing it. And he would he would be the one to like find uh any website he can to host our videos and to host he, he actually he actually had his own website for like kids in our school district so he could, they can like check their myspace and such through like proxy servers since myspace was getting bigger and more high schools were blocking it he would take his website and he would put our back at wrestling videos so we can post it on these forums so internet in general like how the internet for is for wrestling now was already doing that kind of stuff back then. Like finding uh, finding this, uh, stemming from finding this forum to finding all these matches, to finding about all these peoples in this uh, different states, to also finding out pe- about people in Canada, to the UK, to uh, Australia. Dude, there was backyard wrestling everywhere and a lot of people did not know about it. There was a, a, a company, a federation, in Australia, that would uh, host yearly backyard wrestling deathmatch tournaments. And man, if you were invited to that, even if you weren't a deathmatch wrestler, you went just to either hang out or just have a normal match. That's how crazy backyard wrestling was with the internet. Like if you got invited to a UK show, oh, you tried your damnedest to go. Or to Canada, you tried your damnedest to go. We have a guy, there was a guy named Mercury from the this backyard wrestling company in Vancouver called VCW. He came, he did a little tour of America. I'm still friends with this guy to this day because of that. He, I wrestled him twice in my buddy's parking lot to his apartment. And it was just from talking through this forum. How crazy it was. That is crazy. That you there'd be someone traveling internationally to wrestle in an apartment parking lot. Dude, you would be surprised some of the top indie stars and top professional wrestlers today who are on this forum. Like I'll name, I'll, I'll name one person who was, I mean, he, he, he gladly admits it. Ricky Shane page. Huge in the back of wrestling link. Also Will Osprey. Oh, wow. Will Osprey. You didn't hear that from me though. Wink, wink. 
<laughs> I mean, look at the guy. Look at the guys. The guys who it, it was. It was obvious. I mean, their stuff's on YouTube. Chris Hero, backyard wrestler. Uh-huh. Um, Ricochet was a backyard wrestler. The Hardys were backyard wrestlers. Come on, there's there's some that are the freaking obvious. There is a ton of people who were in backyard wrestling back then who are making a killing in the indies or in the fucking in the big leagues now. I, and that, that, I think that says a lot about like these are people that had a passion for something they wanted to do it, mm-hmm. but there wasn't an avenue for them to do it. I guess quote unquote professionally, mm-hmm. so they kind of made their own. But I think a lot of people stopped there, and that's not something that you did. So what was it like transitioning? Uh, I say you, you went, uh, you went, uh, went straight. We went professional. A- yeah, when I actually got trained, like what was what was the thought process there, and like what kind of took, what made you make that next step? So I'll start from. I'll make this timeline pretty fast but it all started from me and craig mitchell and our small group of friends with this other company uh or this other backyard company in the oaklawn area when we first got <laughs> recognized on tv uh we were we were wow uh, not a lot of people know this but me and craig mitchell were on mtv for backyard wrestling not just like directly us, we were like featured on it for this company, this comp, this tracker wrestling company we wrestled in Oklahoma called TCW uh, or TWC. Sorry, TWC. Uh, a cop car came up. Uh, out came with some cameramen to find out that this camera crew was recording stuff for MTV. They came back maybe a couple months later to actually record stuff for this show. We got paid for it. It was very, very uh, kayfabe at the time for the for the way they 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 recorded because they recorded stuff and they they originally came and then they recorded more stuff for the couple months they came later and they all mashed up like it was one day so people saw that kids out in bridgeview saw that made contact with us to come wrestle with them those guys are matt nix alex olsen and kenny suture who we still wrestle with to this day so more back at wrestling with them, more uh, different wrestling forms with this crew, more traveling states, back at wrestling with this crew still to realize to coming to the solution of yo, let's actually get trained. Let's finally do it. Let's be pro wrestlers. So Matt Nix looks into the Chicago Pro Wrestling Forum. A lot of people, a lot of people, well, a good portion of people in the Chicago area will know what those are. They are literally the forums of pro wrestling for Chicago area. And they are, from what I've been understand, I never went on them before I understand their toxic. But we got into cop. I, I will say this as a wrestling fan around the same time period, there was a lot of, a lot of rough stuff happening. Some good stuff. You're familiar with the, the forum then? The Chicago Pro Wrestling Forum, yes, and it it's definitely served its purpose, at least as a wrestling fan, of exposing different companies and like find out about different shows. So that is the one great thing about the Chicago Pro Wrestling uh, website. That's all I'll say about that. Well, the great thing we got from it is that uh, we he made Matt Nixman got in contact with a professional wrestler called the Galactic Grappler. So we get in contact with the Galactic, Galactic Grappler, who is a, a alien. His gimmick was an he was an alien from space, and he wrestles. So he told he tells us to meet us at said location. This location was in the the deep west side of Chicago. Nothing too crazy. I mean, it was it was like bordering like kind of bad neighborhood area, but we had to meet him at a truck stop, like this trucking not a truck stop, but this industrial trucking area. And we're like, wow, dude, like we, we, we rolled maybe like six deep and um, we were very, you know, skeptical. 
me being like the biggest guy there still because of like being in sports and still working out i told him uh i told my like me it was me matt nix kenny suger alex olson craig mitchell and stevie fears i was like okay guys i'll go in first if something bad goes down i'll hold them off get to the car <laughs> and go and call the cops so we meet up the galactic grappler average looking male pretty nice looking dude but you know looks can be deceiving so he's like okay guys let's go so we start going into this warehouse part of this industrial trucking area and he pulls open the door and there's just one opposite door one just one more door into the area it's dark it's dirty man it's getting really sketchy looking but as soon as he opens that second door we hear the ring we hear all the bumps we hear like people running the ropes so it's kind of that that sigh of relief, like, oh God. Okay. We walk in there, wrestling training is going on. And that's when we meet our trainer, Steve Boss. We sit for a class. Next week we started training. And that's how we started training professional wrestling. For professional wrestling. So what did what did it feel like when you actually made that step? Like what was what did it feel like being in your first wrestling class? Did it feel like I've reached another milestone. Uh, what, what was it like? Yeah, exactly. I reached another milestone, and I'm on the. It feels like I'm on the right track of doing what I want to do, for, like for the rest of my life, or majority of the rest of my life. Like, I'm one step closer to my dream job, like my dream life that I've been wanting since I was four years old, and it was legit. I mean, majority of people there were, you know, they looked like pro wrestlers. Steve Vaz you know, gave us the rundown of the stuff he's been in. I mean, he was a, he was a champion for Windy City Pro Wrestling. He was, he was in, he did a couple of uh, matches for WWE for like Shotgun Saturday Night or Sunday Night Heat. He's, he's wrestled against like Christopher Daniels and he's wrestled with all these local Chicago guys. And he knows like local Chicago guys, more famous guys like CM Punk, Coca-Cola, Ace Steel. He knows all these guys. So it's like this guy has, you know, a good rep for himself. So I think we're in really good hands. And it was just a sigh of relief. Like, okay, we're finally doing this now. Let's do it. So when you're, you're, you're training, you're learning the, the, the right way, maybe unlearning a, a few things that you taught yourself to try to hone your skills. When did, when you had your first match, what was the feeling you had at that point? Um, that I'm finally doing it. Like I'm finally wrestling professionally in front of a live crowd that's paid to come see this show. And it was surreal. I mean, I was, it was, it was, I, I know it could have been better, but because, you know, as, as someone starts off, you're given like, you're given small matches, you're given short parts, but still for the fact that I'm, I'm finally doing it in front of like a live legit crowd in a proper setting is one of the best feelings in the world. So as you're starting to wrestle, are you still watching it or does there, is there like a transition in your mindset uh, and how you view wrestling? So I'm still watching it. That transition is coming, but I'm watching more of it for the fact that now we have like, on top of the internet, there's more contact you can get, like, get in contact with. Like, I'm watching my WWEs. I'm watching my WCWs. I'm watching my ECWs. I'm watching my Ring of Honors. I'm watching my CZWs. I'm learning about pro, uh, pro wrestling Noah. I'm learning about New Japan. I'm learning about all Japan. I'm learning about all this stuff that is brand new to me. And on top of watching it as a fan, I have to start watching it as a wrestler, and I have to start learning from it, because I used to call DVDs and VHSs. I used to call them textbooks because you, I would have, I would want to learn certain moves or how to do certain like motions and how certain matches are. They look like they've been put together. So I'm still much more on the fan side of the aspect, but I'm still slowly going into the worker side of the aspect. So what does that what does that tradition look like when you can say? Is there a point where you say like I'm no longer a fan of wrestling? I'm now just a wrestler. 
For me, no. I mean, there's there's points where you can turn it on and turn it off, and there I I do it to this day. Like I'll watch a wrestling match because I want to watch wrestling, and then there's I want to there's also moments where I'm watching a wrestling match because I want to learn wrestling. Sure, like then now you're especially getting trained, you're catching up and seeing like the like all the keys and all the motions of where everything is and how everything's getting placed and positioning and just all the technical things behind it and all the all the the cues and just the stuff you're learning you're seeing it come alive i mean you it's sure like i'm not practicing it because i'm still trying to learn where to properly put these positions because i'm still pretty green to the business but just watching it gives you more of a better idea so you you for me, I'm mostly speaking for myself. I don't know how it is for everyone out there, but it's different. Um, there's moments where you have to turn it on and turn it off. But there's sometimes there is moments where you can't help it and you're like, oh, that didn't look good. Or, oh, you could have done that better. But it's like, how? what am I saying that? Why am I saying that? I ain't shit. I'm like five, six months into this business. <laughs> yeah, and, and that makes sense. But now, like, now you've been in the business for how many years? Like, you're. Oh, shoot. 11, 12 now? And that is that like after you've been trained, or is that including your backyard days? That's just from like training day one. Backyard wrestling. I I, I started doing backyard wrestling when I was sixteen. Man, and I'm thirty-two so, now. So like now that you're in the wrestling business for a, a while, mm-hmm. what is? I guess where does it fit in into your life? Like, I mean, are you? Do you look at it? any differently oh yeah now than you did i look before? for i look for more more of the details I, I look for uh i have my favorites that i try to uh influence myself by or if there's a certain move that i want to do or like to do i look at the best person who does it and see if i can do it to that caliber caliber or better and just as in who i want to portray myself as influencing that part of my character through professional wrestling but through and getting an influence from stuff outside of professional wrestling from like movies or video games or art or i don't know if i said music already um just everything my, my everything in my surroundings like and just stories i'm reading from books and such like i try to take everything from life that i can and make it into a wrestling concept that would help me or just for fun just to pass the time around, like, oh, how can how can I turn this into a storyline, or how can I portray this as a professional wrestler, and such, you know. So now it seems it's more like your creative outlet. Yeah, like you, it transitioned from being something you're really passionate about watching to something that you kind of need to express yourself through. Mm-hmm. And and what else I can use this on things I do outside of wrestling, like my Twitch streams or just all my social media or just things I do to entertain people like my friends and stuff and how to make them laugh if they're having a shitty day. That's very interesting. I think it's an interesting way to look at the transition because, I mean, obviously, when you're four, you're not thinking about any of that stuff. No. But also, like, as you as you grow as a person, like, the the thing you're passionate about is going to change and uh both externally and internally um and looking back at your career obviously you're nowhere near done you're only 32 but what would you say your proudest moments either wrestling or just being uh, involved with wrestling what do you think is your proudest moment so far um i have a few but i think the proudest is just um, my dad's seen my very first match, and he's seen also seen more of my recent matches. And for the fact, for him saying, "Wow, you're you've got you you got good at this," like I actually believed at one point that you were hurt. That that puts a smile on my face because my dad is, he knows I've been I'm love with wrestling since I was four years old. He knows you know the ins and outs somewhat like between uh realism or not 
of the fact that I am fooling my dad and for him give like give me praise for my hard work. Amazing. That's one of the best feelings in my life. Also, <laughs> just for the fact of how many drunk people I can make happy at freelance. <laughs> that that is one of the best feelings. Cause you ever made a drunk person happy? They are like they're on cloud nine. It's just they're like you just get reunited them with their best friend that I haven't seen in years, and them just leaving happy. That is all one of the best feelings I have every time I go to a freelance show, or every time I wrestle at a freelance show. I should say that. I think that I think that says a lot about you just wanting to wanting to make sure everyone's having a good time. I mean, it goes it goes back to. I just go back to when you're in high school and you were like the, the quote unquote oddity, you embraced it. You didn't, you didn't like shun them or be like, not talk about it. Like you, you wanted to make them comfortable with it. Cause you were already comfortable with it. Exactly. Like this um, is, this is me. I can't help it. <laughs> I, I, if I could help it, I could, but I can't. And if you like it, awesome. If you don't, I don't care. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think in, in that moment, you're all, you're, you're the embracing yourself I think um is important in that it's it puts everyone else at ease and and again it like that entertainment aspect it allows other people to kind of join in with that yeah um so in look in looking back you're 32 that's now 28 years I'm from doing my math correctly of you being uh, involved or a fan of wrestling. Yeah. What would you tell little four year old Christopher about the, the path that he's about to go on and uh, what, what, what advice or, or message would you give little Christopher? I would tell him continue being good. Do the best you can in school. Don't lose your head. Continue to watch and be a fan as long as you can. Enjoy it. Love it. Share it. Make make the ones who matter proud of you. But also keep yourself happy and entertained. And the path you're going, it will all fall in line together. I can't think of a more beautiful message to end this podcast on. Uh, I just want to appreciate you joining me on this. This look back in your life and also just sharing how wrestling has been such a major part of your life. Um, with that, uh, where? how do you want people to, to, to find you? Where do you want people to connect with you? Well, the devil of all things is social media. So you can find me most of my social media besides my Facebook fan page, my, 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 my Twitter, my Instagram, my Twitch, which I, I'm, I'm starting to get a lot better at. It's all under Castropolis, which is my last name plus P-O-L-L-I-S because originally that was going to be my background resting names that my my closest friends, my friends that I'm friends to this day gave me, and it just became my nickname. Cause became a nickname. You can find Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram at that. And if you want to find my fan page on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Chris Castro wrestling. And my merchandise is with my work at pro wrestling slash Chris Castro. I have a ton of shirts, the famous, the, the stereotypical thing is wrestling shirts are in black. Not all my shirts in black. I got a couple of sport gray ones, blue ones, red ones. I also have face masks for this unfortunate time we live in right now with COVID-19. I have a towel and I have a flag. So if you really love merchandise, there's a ton of different merch there. And uh, I also have one shirt that I'm partnered with uh, Hope for the Day. If you buy that shirt, that money goes straight to uh, that organization that helps people with bad mental health so there's a plethora of stuff there perustintees.com slash chris castro very simple and uh if you see me on the street because i think the only way you're gonna see what i look like is through the picture 
through social media, if you see him on the street, come say hi. If I'm I'm not shy or not not nowadays. And I appreciate and I love to talk to people. Just make sure you stay six feet and are wearing a mask in this in this current time. Oh yeah, please, please. Like there <laughs> dude, you can't believe like at the local jewel. I saw this like six foot, seven foot man, the six six seven he was almost six and a half, six, seven, six uh, he was tall. He was very tall. He thought he probably because you know he was hot shit for being a big man that he didn't have to wear a mask, but I went straight up to him and be like, yo, dog, what are you doing? Put a mask on. I mean, he didn't do it, but I'm not afraid to fucking put you in their fucking place. Especially when it comes to this stuff. We're trying to get rid of this. Come on, people. I'm rambling. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's an important message. Um, and everyone listening to the podcast, again, thank you for joining. You can reach the podcast at on Twitter at, at WDYL podcast. Or you can go to Instagram at what do you like podcast. Um, or you can go to our website at what do you like podcast.com. Um, Chris, Christopher Castro, <laughs> it's always a pleasure to chat. Uh, I, I don't get into processes as often as I used to, I think with the pandemic and everything. Um, but it's always great to talk to you. Oh, it's a pleasure to um, whenever I see you, you put a smile on my face. Yeah. You've always been kind to me and, and I hope, uh, everyone listening, uh, learned a little bit more about you um, in this. Um, everyone out there listening, we have these conversations every Tuesday. So if this is your first episode, definitely feel free to subscribe. Um, rate us on any podcast platform we'll let you rate. And then tell a friend. If you enjoy these conversations, we always like having new people join the conversation. Um, with that, everyone out there, stay safe. And we'll see you next time.